But I'm an honest, God-fearing man, and I didn't like the verdict. The men who were hanged were veterans of the Grand Army of the Republic. And Bob Dixon and Carteret were rebels in the war between the states. I'm asking you this now. How long are we going to stand for it? The hearty cry of Hi-Yo Silver has echoed through the years from the wild and untamed west of yesterday. It has acted as a symbol of courage to the oppressed, a challenge to the lawless. Let us return to the west of old and thrill to another of the Lone Ranger's stories featuring the most picturesque and colorful character ever to ride the plains and prairies. Welcome to The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger lives by a code of conduct. This conduct consists of two major parts, the Lone Ranger Creed and a set of guidelines. One of the Lone Ranger's creeds is that God put the firewood there, but that every man must gather and light it himself. The Lone Ranger is part of the Life Podcast Network. Our goal is to keep adding shows to our network that bring you good, family-friendly content. If you're interested in becoming involved with our podcast network, please go to lifepodcast.net and click on the Contact Us page. We're also working on a monthly live broadcast designed to connect Lone Ranger enthusiasts. Sign up at our Facebook page to keep up to date. And now, let's listen to another great tale of the Lone Ranger. When the first railroads were built into the western United States, the engineers and men were faced with a constant danger of attack by outlaws and Indians, and their task might never have been accomplished had it not been for the master rider of the plains. It was his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness, that blazed the trail for progress and finally made possible the winning of the West. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear, from out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of a great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Oh, Silver! We're heading for town! There's going to be trouble! I'm Silver! When the Lone Ranger and Tonto learned that Kimberly had left Cowago Canyon and headed back for Warren City, they raced after him. But although they were able to pick up his trail and followed all the way to the hills on the outskirts of the town, the Easterner had too much of a start. It was long after dark when they rained up. Steady there, sir. Oh, steady there. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Kimberly, get to town ahead of us. We didn't lose his trail for a minute, though. We know where he is. Uh, Just because he failed at the canyon, we know that won't stop him. He'll find some other way to slow down the building of the railroad. Next time he tries that, maybe we catch him. Once we get enough evidence to put him in jail, our work will be finished. Come below, Kimosabe. Oh, there are plenty of people in town now. I've never seen it so well lighted. Maybe them open new cafe on Main Street. The lights aren't coming from the buildings. They seem to be in the street itself. Not right. 
It looks like a torchlight procession. Ah. Better ride down there and have a look. Uh, you wear masks. We can leave Silver and Scott in one of the back streets and then keep to the shadows. There's plenty dangerous. Got to find out what's going on. Come on, Silver. Come on, Scott. Hundreds of torches lit the main street of Warren City, but there was no procession. This was a meeting called by Saul Gardner. When he stepped out on the balcony of the Palace Cafe, a cheer rose from the rougher element of the town. The storekeepers and most of the railroad men kept silent. Saul raised his hand and began to speak. Boys, three men were hanged today in Warren City. They were arrested by our sheriff, Bob Dixon. They were tried by Judge Carteret and a jury of 12 men. Everything was according to law. I'm not saying it wasn't. But I'm an honest, God-fearing man, and I didn't like the verdict. The men who were hanged were veterans of the Grand Army of the Republic. And Bob Dixon and Carteret were rebels in the war between the states. I'm asking you this now. How long are we going to stand for it? How long are we going to stand for rebels hiding themselves up to the seats of the mighty and judging the men who fought to save the Union? I tried to speak this piece in court this morning. I was fined for contempt. But now I'm going through with it. And if Bob Dixon tries to interfere with my right of free speech, he'll pay the penalty we've always reserved for tyrants. We can't do anything about Carteret to grant you that. He's a federal judge and he's left the town. But Sheriff Bob Dixon's still here. There's Bob Dixon... One of the Dixons of Virginia. He's still wearing his badge and ruling the roost. That's something we can change. I can't do anything about it until the next election. It was Walter Manning, the editor of the Warren County Times, who had answered Gardner. He was standing in the second-story window of the newspaper building directly across the street from the Palace Cafe. And the crowd turned toward him as he spoke. You can't shut me down! If Charles Gardner has your right of free speech, so have I. Bob Dixon was elected sheriff of Warren City long before it became a railroad town. According to our laws, there won't be another election until November. And by that time, all of you gamblers and parasites that are living off the railroad men will be gone from here. It'll be good riddance. It would be good riddance for the railroad in the town. If we can drive you out now! Saul Gardner! You say you're an honest, God-fearing man. You can't deny it! I'll add to it! You believe in justice just as much as I do. There can be no justice when a rebel runs a town! That's prejudice, talking. You're a mass of prejudice. It's disturbed your mind. Let yourself be fooled by outlaws and gunmen. There's only one principle at stake in Warren City. That's the principle of law and order. Bob Dixon's fighting for it. And they know it's cheering you on to fighting against it. I'm no rebel. There never was. I was born in Massachusetts and I fought in the first volunteers. I served on that jury today and I voted for hanging because those men were murderers. They were veterans. If they ever wore an army uniform, they stole it first. But that doesn't matter. It matters to me. He 
They broke the law and they had to pay the penalty. You can talk until you're blue in the face, Mary. You can print whatever you want to in your own newspaper. But there's hundreds and hundreds of us here in Warren City that won't take orders from a Dixon from a Virginia. We're going to get rid of them. We can't do it by legal means. They will try something else. That's final. You can warn them if you want to. He's got to turn in his badge or take the consequences. Very oh, Silver. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh. You make care of here, Tuttle. Uh, uh, you, you will not say anything all the way from town. What do you think? Yeah, it's a bad situation. And that fellow Nannan talked good sense. Of course he did. And men are filled with prejudice. They won't listen. I'm afraid there's going to be trouble, Kimosabe. Not right. Maybe Kimberly helped make it. Yeah, you can be sure of that. Uh, trouble in Warren City, it hold up railroad. You better get into town early. Find Kimberly and follow him. If he and Saul Gardner get together, ride back here as fast as you can. Uh, time to do that. The following morning, Louise Gardner served her father's breakfast in silence. Uh, good fabjacks, Lou. Are they? Oh, what's the matter with my girl? Oh, Pa, I don't have to tell you. Hmm. You mean last night? Yes, I do. You're so wrong. Nah, you don't become a woman to get mixed up in politics. That's just what it is. Politics. It's a question of right and wrong. All right, and you're the one who's wrong. You can't make me believe any different. Bob Dixon's a good sheriff. He's never been unfair in his life. He couldn't be. He's the finest man I've ever known. He's a Virginian. What of it? That's so stupid, Pa. You're, you're so old-fashioned. Old-fashioned? That's what I said. Uh, you're taking his side against me. I've got to. He's a friend of mine. Well, I'm your paw. But Bob's in the right and you're Young not. Young lady, if I ever catch you talking to Bob Dixon again, I'll, I'll lock you up in your room and keep you there. I want your promise. You won't get it. I'll have no part in fighting a civil war over again in Warren City. I'll lock you up. That just proves you're old-fashioned. Lou, I can stand so much. Now, don't get it. excited. It's bad for your digestion. I warn you. Besides, there's somebody at the door. If it's Roger Manning, I won't see him. Good morning, miss. What do you want? Want to see your pa. Who is it? It's that no-good gambler, Ace Johnson. Shall I shut the door in his face and... Tell him to come in. What? <laughs> if you don't mind, Miss Lou, I should have mentioned I was expected. All right. You can come in. But there's no law that says I have to stay in the same room with him. And when a decent man gets mixed up with a crook, then he must be local. <laughs> oh, I don't mind her. Women don't understand politics. Sure, I know. Got some good news, so. That's so? Someone else is on our side. Man that's got a lot of influence and money. Uh, who do you mean? He's in the back room of the palace. Wants to talk to you personal right away. Would you go over there with me? Why, sure will. What's his name? You're going to be surprised. It's John Kimberly. Well, you have a drink, Saul? I'll never touch it. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. Yeah, but you don't mind if I drink your success, do you? No, sir. Well, then he's out. Well, now then... I heard your speech last night, and I agreed with every word. <laughs> That's fine. Manning is no better than a traitor. He sure sounds like it. And it's for Dixon. <laughs> the sooner you get rid of him, the better. 
Yeah, but the only question is, uh, how? I can't answer that. Yeah, it won't be easy. There are plenty of men like Manning who want to keep him where he is. There won't be another election until November. Well, that's too long to wait. It sure is. And there's only one answer. You and your men must take possession of the town by force. By force? Ace tells me you have uh, three or four hundred. He probably knows more about it than I do. Yeah, he does. You've picked a good lieutenant. I say give each one of them a rifle. Proclaim martial law and set up the kind of government you ought to have. Yeah, but three or four hundred rifles. Yeah, I can arrange it. around here, Richard. Yeah, the door's open. Get out of here. That door was open, Ace. Yeah, it's closed now. Was out there. Just an engine sleeping on the floor. You said you could arrange it, Kimberly. Oh, yes, yes, the rifles. <laughs> I can get them to you in three days. The rest is up to you. <laughs> what did Gardner say? Mm, that all Tonto here. Ace, come along and make Tonto go. Force. Three or four hundred rifles. The sheriff's friends won't give up without a fight. We've got to do something to prevent it, Tonto. Ah, oh, wait. You've got a plan? It may work. Saul Gardner wants to get rid of Dixon. We'll do it for him. What you mean? Let's go. We're riding back to town, city boy. Come on, Silver. Get him up. Come When Louise Gardner walked into the sheriff's office, she found Roger Manning with the young lawman. Hello. Hello, Bob. I'm glad to see you, Miss Gardner. Do you know what this young idiot's decided? You let me explain it, Roger. Well? There's plenty of honest men in this town that don't want me to be sheriff anymore. Your father's one of them. It's going to make everything a lot easier if I just turn my back. Oh, no, Bob. Now, let me finish. Roger here was to take the job, or there wouldn't be any objections from anybody. You can't send me out chasing crooks at my age. There's no one who can fill the job half as well as you, Bob. I won't stand for your resignation. But, honey, don't you see? If you're thinking of me, you just forget it. I don't agree with Pa at all, and I've told him so. What we need is law and order, and you're the man to give it to us. But how can there be law and order when even the honest men are fighting against each other? Then there's a the railroad, too. Just think of that. Please. Hello, Pa. I told you it was here. We saw him down the street. You know what I told you this morning? I remember. You're coming home with me now. And you're not going to leave the house again. Do you aim to carry me, Pa? Uh... I will if I have to. I might kick a little. Gee, who's that just read about in front? It's a masked man in an engine. Don't go for your gun, Bob. I got you covered. Outlaws in broad daylight. What's the idea? You're coming with me. You can try and make me. All right, if that's the way you want it. Let go of me. Now let me go. You'll not move. Hey, man, pick him up like he was a feather. Oh, Bob, somebody do something. He's got him on his horse. All right, Tonto. Uh, Tonto, come. Well, don't just stand there. He's being kidnapped. This is your work, Gardner. That's a lie. curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Next time on The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger. Don't make a sound up with your hands. What the... Inside, huh? Sheriff, it's the masked man. Oh, get him. Oh. Keep him covered, Tonto. We'll be out of here fast now. That's right. 
Got the safes open. Yeah, this will be enough. There's $50,000 in that bag. We'll take your word for it. The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger, is part of the Life Podcast Network, a group of family-friendly podcasts bringing a positive message of hope and inspiration. Some of the audio for this podcast was provided by the archive.org online database.